So let's be praying for all of them. Let's remember Kathy Rowan. Kathy will be having open heart surgery in the next few weeks. Please be in prayer for her. That's from Jen Hollinsworth. 
Let's remember Tom Church. He has thyroid cancer. And this is uh, from Kathy Stewart. It's her best friend's brother. So let's remember uh, Tom Church. Let's remember Kayla Landis and her mom. Her mom is sick with cancer. That's from Brian Comley. So let's remember those. Let's remember Kenny. Ken has cancer. Pray for comfort, undergoing radiation and surgery, and pray for salvation. That's from Pam and Dwayne. So let's lift him up as he goes through that, but also that he will come to know the Lord. Amen. Brother Harry, would you come around? Open us up in a word of prayer this evening. Okay. Come on up here because I know you want to. All right, folks, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this evening. For this is the day that the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you, Lord, that we see uh, young people, as well as the elderly, come to know Christ as their personal Savior. And this wonderful night, we thank you, Lord, that we're going to experience such salvation that brings to, uh, to um, the... the uh, baptism of these loved ones. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that the Jesus Christ paid a debt he did not owe because we had a debt we couldn't pay. Thank you, Lord, that he's the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection and the life, and Lord, we thank you for the word of God that tells us so. Now, Lord, I pray you bless the rest of this evening. Thank you for loving us with an everlasting love. In Jesus' blessed, holy, and immaculate name we pray. Amen. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are you gone? Spotless are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansion's bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless?
in the blood of the Lamb. Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean that will be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Amen. You may be seated. All right, make sure you get a bulletin and remember the announcements for the week. Uh, don't forget Discovery Club and Youth Group Tuesday night, 6.30 to 8.30. Thank the Lord for all that's been going on there. The peanut butter egg sale for Easter, but also that is a fundraiser that helps our young people go towards Arise. So everything that you give in that helps our young people go to Arise. Don't forget about that. Make sure you get that. And then we're all looking forward to Saturday night. The Nottingham 450th Anniversary Celebration Concert with the Mark Trammell Quartet. And so we are excited about that. Uh, make sure that you're here 7 o'clock, March 9th. And then the next day, Sunday, we'll kick off our revival with Brother Travis Kerlock. And we'll have Mary Beth and Andrew Jones will be with us. We thank the Lord for them and are looking forward to all that. So make sure you've got all of that stuff. And then the Owls outing. They want... Make sure that you get that. That's Saturday, April the 13th. If you're going, it's $20 per person. The bus will leave promptly at 8 o'clock. So if you need more info or want to know about it, you can see Helen Moore or Carrie Duvall to make sure that you sign up for that. All right? All right. At this time, we'll have our ushers come for our Sunday evening tithes and offerings. And while they're coming, I'll give you a little book that I read a long, long time ago. Put it on our thing. This is Chosen by God by R.C. Sproul. It's an amazing book. I kind of made mention of this this morning when I was given a little bit of a uh, testimony. But this was a great book that sometimes I might have shied away from. But as I read through this book, I'll tell you, the ideas that it put forth in there, the fact that God has chosen us, God has called us by name is absolutely wonderful. And it'll bless your heart. And he also deals with some of those tough topics. It's a great book. I greatly recommend it. And I think Kelly already put it on there. So you can find it there as well. Chosen by God by R.C. Sproul. All right. Good to see you. Amen. Why don't you ask the blessing for us? All right. So thankful for the morning service we had. And to celebrate those, Lord, that got saved and are getting baptized and joining the church. We're just thankful that your kingdom is growing, Lord. Father, we just pray that you bless this offering and help it go towards your will. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. It's 190. 190, everybody stand. Come, thou found of every blessing, tune thy heart to sing thy praise. Dreams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet 
sung my flaming tongues above Great mountain picks upon it Mount of thy redeeming love Here I raise my Ebenezer Hither by thy help I come And I hope by thy good pleasure Safely to arrive at home Jesus saw me when a stranger Wandering from the fold of God He to rescue me from danger Interposed his precious blood All right, choir, come on up on this last verse Oh, the grace, how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be Let thy goodness like a fetter Bind my wandering heart to thee Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it Prone to leave the God I love Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it Seal it for thy courts above Amen, you may be seated I drove by the place today where the Holy Ghost in his own way showed me in my heart that I was lost. I remember how it felt that night, wondering if I died, where my soul would be and what would be the cost. I got down on my knees and there I prayed And with a thankful heart I just want to say Thank you for saving me Blood that you shed on Calvary. 
standing here Not knowing how we'll get through this test But holding on to faith you know best Cause nothing can catch you by surprise You've got this figured out You're watching us now as if we can win You wrap us in your arms and step in Knowing everything we need you'll supply You've got this in control And now we know that you
so hard just to lift up my hands. Real liberty was something I just didn't understand. I was bound by circumstances only God knew about. But he le I left them at the altar. Now I can say without a doubt, I'm free to worship, free to live. history your faithfulness has walked beside me the winter storms made way for spring 
in every season from where I'm standing. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. Help me remember when I'm weak, the fear may come, but fear will leave. You lead my heart to victory. You are my strength, and you always will be. I see the evidence of your goodness all over message tonight. We're going to come to a passage of scripture where Jesus Christ is jumping on the scene where after and it's amazing to think about it. We're going to talk about it in the message where it's amazing to think that somehow Jesus Christ was in obscurity on this earth for 30 years. You ever think about that? That the son of the living God lived on the planet for 30 years and nobody had any idea what was going on. And then boom. He arrives on the scene. We're going to talk about that. And as he arrives on the scene, 
there are those that are very aware of who he is. They say that's him. I love this song because it talks about how creation knows when he shows up on the planet that that's him. I love this song that it also talks about there is going to be times in history and in the future where it will be undeniable that the king has shown up. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. That's him. Amen.
Amen. All right. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bible this evening, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number three. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. It won't be a surprise where I'm going evening. Matthew chapter number three. And we're going to go down to the end of it in verse number 13. Very specifically ask for that song. It goes directly with the beginning of it, with what we want to preach tonight and what we want to bring to you. And uh, what a great day in the house of the Lord already. Amen? And what the Lord has already done. Let's look at these verses. Let's let them sink in this evening. And then we'll preach what the Lord has for us. So Matthew 3, verse number 13. The Bible says this, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. Comest thou to me? Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity again tonight to come open up the Scriptures and preach the Word of God. We believe that it is all perfect and inerrant as it comes to us. That it is without fault and that it is also perfectly timed in its relation to each other. Also as we receive it, dear God, that we, we know we have the Word of God. And help us tonight, dear Lord, as we look at a very familiar passage, we look at a very familiar story, and we don't want to complicate it, but yet, dear God, we know that you have some great truth in there for us. Dear God, it is good to dwell on those deep truths that you have. It's good for us to understand who you are in better terms and also in the way that you have described your characteristics to us through the persons that you represent yourself in. So help us tonight, dear God, to learn about you more or better and just understand you deeper. Then maybe there's someone here tonight who's never, they've just never seen the necessity to put their faith and trust in Jesus. They've never seen the need or the understanding of it of why do I need him to be my savior? Lord, let the word of God speak distinctly to their heart tonight of their need to call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. We'll praise you for what you do and how you use your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I think it's a little bit difficult, or it would be difficult for us to overstate, as it were, the importance of this passage of Scripture when it comes to so many things that God is doing 
uh, and, and that Christ is doing as he comes to prepare himself for his ministry and to start on his ministry. We, we already know this and we've talked about this, that the book of Matthew is presenting to us the king of kings and that's who Jesus is. He's a king. He's the one that is uh, above all the other kings and everything like that. And you might say, Mike, uh, I wish you would quit talking about that every time. But I believe, and I really believe this, that this, these are important things for when we're, when we're studying the book of Matthew, for us to remember that and to look at the scriptures in that light. When we get to the book of John, we need to study those scriptures in the light of the fact that Jesus Christ is God, right? You get that and you see it as you go through. Well, just so in this one, we need to understand it and look at it as Jesus Christ is the King. And as we come to this passage, I think the best way that we could put it, and I'm not the only one, there's plenty that have preached these sermons, that have plenty that have talked about this, that here we see, as it were, the coronation of the King. We see that God is putting His seal upon Him, His approval upon Jesus Christ. We see that His ministry is starting and Jesus is moving from obscurity into the spotlight. We see all this taking place and as it happens that there is multiple things taking place that let us know that He is the King. There's no one else like Him. He's going to do a work. He's going to have a kingdom that's not like any other kingdom. Kingdom not made with hands. A kingdom that will have a completely different outlook upon everything than the kingdom of this world. This is a new, distinct king and everything that he is doing. So we see here the coronation of the king. And as we see this, we also understand that the Trinity is represented for us in this passage of Scripture. Now, I don't want to take the opportunity to overlook a passage of Scripture like this and to say something that we already know, but again, point you to a passage of Scripture that can help you with it. We believe in the Trinity. Amen? Sometimes I don't, I've, I think that I need to move over these things, but then I realize sometimes there's people that don't understand this about what we believe, or maybe they don't even understand what the Trinity is. We believe that God, who represents or manifests himself to us and to all things and the universe in three distinct persons. We believe that God the Father represents to us himself as a father, that we have Jesus Christ the Son who came to this earth and was made flesh and dwelt among us as we already talked about. And we believe in God the Holy Spirit. We believe that He is here now, left by Jesus Christ, who as we remember, Jesus Christ said, when I leave, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and He will be with you. And it is the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, that convicts and that convinces and woos the hearts and the souls of people towards Jesus Christ. And He is the active force that is moving on this planet 
right now in the moving of our hearts towards Jesus Christ. We believe in that. We believe that these three persons of the Godhead are equal in their Godhead. There is not, even though, even though we always say, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it's not one, two, and three. They are all equally important in the Godhead. They are all equally God. Amen? Jesus Christ. The Bible says that though he be found in the form of a man, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And so we see from that understanding of it that Jesus Christ, even while he was here on the earth, was not less than God. He was still God of very gods. And we understand that it's difficult to understand and there's lots of theology that goes behind it. But the important part for us to understand is that God is manifesting himself. What do I mean by that manifesting? He is showing who he is, helping us understand who he is by revealing himself in three distinct persons. Guess what? You can't take in all of God. As a matter of fact, you can't even take in a little bit of God. As a matter of fact, Moses was saying, God, show me your glory. And he's like, look, it can't happen. Right? Prophets would say, God, show us. Can't do it. You'll die. As a matter of fact, Moses went on the mountain, got just a glimpse of God, and when he came down off the mountain, the people couldn't look at him because his face was shining. We can't handle God. Isaiah comes into the throne room of God in a vision and says, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm a man. He was afraid he was going to be destroyed in that very moment, being in the presence of God, in a vision. I don't, it's a, we, we can't handle God. And so God has to break himself down and display and show us. And so we receive this manifestation of God the Father. It's important for us to understand that and know that, that he is our heavenly father. It is, it is God himself who provides, who protects, who makes sure that the provision is there, who does what a good father should do. Amen? Our heavenly father knows what's best for us. Jesus Christ spoke about that. And I this isn't supposed to be the thrust of the message, but I feel, I don't know, the Holy Spirit leading us to preach on these things just for a moment. This, and you know, uh, that example that we have ought to follow, ought to make us fathers in our own home try to be like the Heavenly Father, right? That we would be that to our children so that when they grow up, they don't have a problem trusting God because they didn't have a problem trusting you either. You know, there's a lot of folks that grow up with a lot of issues about whether or not they can trust God because they couldn't trust their dad. Did you know that? That the dynamic of the family is important as we grow up and as we start to relate to God. 
It all has a place and a purpose as we grow and as we mature that we are relating. And so we should be the kind of dads that in the home say, you know what, my kids are going to know that everything is provided for them. Everything that they have need of will be there. Maybe we didn't always give them abundance, but they had what they needed. They always felt safe in my home. That ought to be one too, right? that there is security inside of the home. And so because of that, we learn those things of our heavenly Father. Remember that Jesus said, he said, what don't you know that your heavenly Father, he's not evil, he's not gonna, you're not gonna ask for bread and he gives you a stone. Your heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts. He's an amazing Father to us, bestowing good and perfect gifts everywhere that we go. And we see those demonstrated. We see it. Well, not only the Father, but we have Jesus Christ, who is the Son, who comes to us as that, as that elder brother that makes us a joint heir because he brings us into the family through the work that he does and the work that he provides for us. He is important for us to look upon him as that one that we look up to doing that work, doing the difficult things. He ought to be the best friend that we ever had. He really ought to be. You know, one of the things that I think is most difficult about the relationship with Jesus Christ and even teaching your children and teaching uh, anyone to walk with Christ is the desire really is there often for them to fall in love with Jesus Christ, right? That it should be the desire of anyone who is discipling someone or helping someone grow. I don't, want you to, I don't want you to try to please me or try to please the pastor or try to please mom and dad. The goal here is that you would fall in love with Jesus Christ, desire Him, want Him, want to please Him, be looking for Him, wanting more of Him in your daily life, longing for the day when your faith would be made sight so that when you sing a song like that called That's Him and the idea of Jesus Christ stepping out on the clouds and revealing himself to us thrills your soul with all kinds of glory to think one day I will see him whom my soul has longed for, whom I've cried out to every morning saying, help me, and he's encouraged me, and he's lifted my heart, and he's shown me glimpses of him along the way, and every bit of him was lovely. He was the morning star that I looked to, and all of the things that described him, the lily of the valley, the fairest of ten thousands, I knew what those things meant, but one day he showed up, and he was better than I could have ever imagined. Fallen in love with Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, our elder brother, looking up to him and saying, that is who I desire to be like. Oh my, they're important every part. The Holy Spirit is important too. Doing the work that the Holy Spirit does, anointing, sealing, convicting, we always focus on the convicting and the convincing power of the Holy Spirit, which is important and is true. But the Holy Spirit also seals, He anoints, right? When the Holy Spirit 
the Spirit represented in the Old Testament. The Spirit that would come, it would come in there and they would anoint with oil. That was a representation of the Spirit of God upon that person, anointing them and putting them, a seal upon them to do a work for God and to be set apart for God. Oh my, I'm so thankful that God has sealed me with the seal of the Holy Spirit. He has anointed me and claimed me as his own. He has made a covenant with me. He has promised and he has signified it by the seal and by the anointing of the Holy Spirit on my life. And you know what? I am trusting in him to complete that transaction. He will. He will finish what he started in me. He'll come and get his own. He'll complete that work. Now, wow. That was way too much. So we see the coronation of the king. We see that all, all are present of the Trinity. Trinity is an important doctrine for us. It is what we call a fundamental of the faith. We believe in the Trinity. It is impossible to be saved. Okay, I, You know me very well. I do not get, uh, I don't throw the word heresy or those words around. But denial of the Trinity will make a person lost. It is impossible to be saved without believing in the Trinity and the work of the Trinity. It is important. God presents himself in that way, and it is an important part of what we believe about who he is. We see it brought to us in these scriptures. We're going to look at it. That is our outline, to be honest, and I've already hit it pretty good, but I'll hit it just a little bit. So as we come to this, we see the Trinity presented to us, but we see it like this, in the coronation of the King of Jesus Christ himself. I want you to notice, and I've already made mention of this uh, somewhat, but in verse number 13 of our text this evening, the Bible says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Now, it's an interesting thing that when we come to this word cometh, as we look at it, or to come as it would be, and if you were to go back, and I'm not a Greek scholar by any means, and I cannot speak it, but I know enough to understand that I can look at this word and see that because of the fact that the Greek word that is used has quite a few understandings, we see the top understanding and the most translated understanding of what we would see here would give us the idea and the understanding that he is, he is arriving on the scene to do something. He is coming with a purpose. It's not just like he went down, because the Bible is going to use that from time to time. He went down to Jerusalem. He went over by the sea, but here he came. He cometh with a purpose. There is something distinct about this time that the Bible is wanting us to know and it's wanting us to have a big enough desire to understand the scriptures, to study it enough to see what those words mean. And this one is saying, guess what? Jesus is coming, and he is coming with a purpose. He is coming with a purpose that he would be baptized by John. He is coming with a purpose that his ministry and announcement, here he comes, the king is coming. So I want you to remember that as we see it. He arrives on the scene. I already mentioned it, but boy, it could use some, it could still use some meditation in our life to think about the fact that Jesus Christ 
was patient enough to wait for 30 years, right? You ever, how long, when you want God to so, do something, how long do you wait, right? Yeah, think about it. God's got to move, God's got to do something. Oh, you know, stuff doesn't seem right in my life. I need God to do a miraculous move. I need God to do this, or I can't wait upon 30 years. 30 years. I was reading a sermon John MacArthur wrote on this. He said, how is it that he could stand in a carpenter's shop making tables and chairs for 30 years knowing he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega? Boy, I think there's some lessons in there for us. Amen? Sometimes we ought to patiently wait on the work of the Lord. We ought to be also maybe content in what the Lord has for us to do, right? Knowing that there is, there is something purposeful, even in the small, mundane things of life that he has us to do. We get run down by that stuff, don't we? And we think that somehow they don't serve their purpose, and that somehow the mundane of life, and I'm just going through the motions, and I just get up and take them to school and bring them home and dunk them in the bath and start it all over the next day, right? And we think, oh, how could this mean anything? But guess what? Those things mean a lot. Faithful moms and dads that'll love on their kids and be Christ-like to them over and over and over are going to raise a family that knows what it's like to be faithful. They're going to raise uh, kids that love them and love them back. They're going to have a place to look at that looks absolutely beautiful and wonderful. And it is I'll tell you what, they were singing that song, I see the evidence all around me of God's blessing. And I'm going to tell you, it's a good place to be when your kids will sit around your table and call you blessed. I'm telling you, it's a good, but it doesn't happen by accident. It happens by being faithful over the years and raising those kids up in a good place. It's a wonderful place to be, amen? But it does not happen by accident. It happens by that mundane, faithful, every day, in and out, just making it happen. Just making it happen. Grinding through sometimes, right? Boy, sometimes it's a grind, right? Sometimes it seems difficult, but man, faithfulness. Moreover, it is required of a steward that he be found faithful. Just completing it every day. Making it happen. And there's so much that goes with that. I don't even know where I am in this sermon. It just keeps flowing out, right? Then cometh John, Jesus, to be baptized. Jesus coming to him, announcing him on the scene. Let's, there's just so much in here. We, we're going to look at it like this. Okay, let's, we're going to break it down. We're going to get to the point. Ready? We're going to get to the point. So our outline is easy this evening. We've already made mention of it. Our outline is the Trinity. So first in our outline, we will look at this, the baptism of the Son. The baptism of the Son. I want us to look at this in verse number 14. It says that he came to be baptized of John, but notice this, but John forbade him. But John forbade him. I don't want to take too much time, but you can understand why, can't you? You get it, right? What was John baptizing for? 
for the repentance of sin. As a matter of fact, if we go into the passages that are previous before, it says that they were all coming out and John was preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and they were being baptized for the repentance of sin. That they would turn from their sin and walk a new way. And here comes Jesus Christ that he would be baptized and it would only be natural and it makes perfect sense to us that John would look at Jesus and say, what in the world do you need to be baptized for, right? And why is that? You can make the logical conclusion on your own. Why is it that John would ask that? Because Jesus had no sin, right? Amen, big amen goes right there. You want to, you want to, I want you to notice something else about our passage of Scripture as we look at this. I think it's absolutely wonderful that the Word of God does not have to explain that. The Word of God doesn't spend any time with it. It knows that we're going to accept that because somehow we have an understanding of who Jesus is and what He should be about. And you know what we know? We know that Jesus doesn't sin. Men, so don't let the world fool you that Jesus is something that he is not. You know what? I read some terrible commentaries that talked about the fact that the baptism of Jesus, that Jesus was just a regular man, and then when he came and was baptized, there was a double anointing of the divinity and the Holy Ghost on him, and it made him into a, a super-anointed prophet. Nope. John knew who he was before he put him in the water. Amen? And he said, this is the Son of the living God. This is the Lamb of God that's going to take away the sin of the world. And I don't need to baptize you because you don't have any sin. He knew exactly who he was. He knew what he was about. And I can tell you tonight, Boy, I feel like preaching a little bit tonight. The world can talk about it all they want, but they know who Jesus is. They know there's something unique and unusual. They know that there's something special about that name. They know that there is unique power in the name of Jesus Christ. They know it. He knew it too. And it is assumed in the Word of God that we would have an understanding that this man, Jesus, is without sin. And he's holy. And I'm thankful tonight that my Savior is without spot or blemish. I'm thankful that I had a spotless lamb that came in my place. His blood was not just blood, but his blood was precious blood. For it washed the sins of me. What a Savior we have. Notice this. But yet, but yet, Jesus said to him, John forbade him. John said, I need to be baptized of thee. Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it, be so. You know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, listen, it's good for now. It's important. 
It's a part of the process. I'm not going to cut any corners. I'm going to be everything that I should be. So it's proper that I be baptized. I'm going to fulfill it all. Jesus Christ didn't cut any corners. I want you to know that. But I also want you to know, and this is important as we bring this sermon around to the end, I also want you to know that Jesus Christ was also aware of something that John the Baptist was not aware of. That that Jesus Christ was going to take upon himself sins of the world. He became sin. Who knew no sin. He was going to take my guilt and my shame. He was going to bear in his body my reproach. He identified with me in every way and in all manner. So he said to John, it is proper. It is a part of the process he will do. That I will be baptized. It's been encouraging to me over the last couple of weeks. We've had some young people that made a profession of faith when they were young and were baptized, but as they got older, they realized that maybe that wasn't quite right, and they called upon the name of the Lord and were saved again. And I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with one of those young people, and they asked me, should I be baptized again? And I said, well, do you think you were saved then or now? And they said, well, I think I was saved now. And I said, what do you think that Jesus was teaching in the fact that he was baptized? And they said, that's it, I'll get baptized again. They're not getting baptized twice because they got saved twice, no. They are following the Lord in believer's baptism, right? Because they're like, I got saved here, and I want to follow the commandment of my Lord and Savior and be baptized. And be baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ to be baptized. Jesus Christ set up for us the example to follow him in every part and in everything. He did not just do it in some sort of uh, uh, thing that, that we could randomly be like, well, I want to be like Jesus and do this. No, he was specific in how he lived. He was specific in how he treated people. The very routine of his life was something that we could follow. And he said, I will make sure that everything I do is worthy to be followed. It's important, super important. And so he did it. But he identifies with us in our sin. Hmm. Boy, that's huge. Number two, the seal of the Spirit. And I promise that was the longest one, I promise. You don't believe me, but I'm promising anyway. We see in our passage of Scripture here that the Bible says that and when he went up straightway out of the water, lo, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit descending like a dove and lighting upon the Spirit of God descending like a dove. And we don't have all of the time tonight, but I hope that maybe it will spark you to go back and look at the importance of a dove in the sacrificial system of the Old Testament what that dove would mean and the purity that it represents as it could be sacrificed and understanding what that was is wonderful when you think about it 
in relation to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We also, when we've already said it, think about the anointing that the Holy Spirit also represents. The Holy Spirit oftentimes in the Old Testament is represented as that oil, that oil that they would anoint the head with. We understand that from, we see it from even from David, that Samuel goes to David and he anoints him with oil to set him apart. Not that he is going to be the king today, but he is going to be the king in the future. Amen? That's the uniqueness about the oil. It sets us apart for the work that we are going to do and seals us for that work. It was impossible for Jesus to fail, right? Not only because he was the son of the living God, but the Holy Spirit had sealed him for the work that he was to do. That's why I firmly believe that once you are saved and bought by the blood of Jesus Christ and sealed with the Holy Spirit, that you are sealed against the day of redemption. I'm not doing the keeping. Like one of my favorite preachers said not too long ago, if we could lose our salvation, certainly would. Right? If it's up to us, it's gone. Right? But it ain't up to us. It's up to him. And he seals us against that day. And the Holy Spirit brings to us this idea and this anointing that comes upon Jesus Christ. He could not fail. He was sealed. He was anointed as the King of Kings. The King that would fight the battle we could not fight. That would do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He was sealed and destined to do it. And just with that same anointing, the Holy Spirit seals us against the day of redemption. Whom he calls, he also seals. Whom he has chosen, he has appointed. Wonderful. He has also cleansed us with that righteousness. It's wonderful. Sealed for the work of completion. And he will indeed do it. I told you I'd be shorter on these. Then the last one, look at this. So we have the baptism of the Son. We have the seal of the Spirit. And then we have the word of the Father. Our outline is easy. It is the Trinity this evening. Notice this. And lo, verse number 17, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Father speaks to who this Son is. He's pleased with Him. Jesus Christ Himself said, I have done all things at all times that please the Father. What a statement Jesus Christ himself makes as he's there and talking about all of those things he'll do in John chapter 17 and wonderful things that they are. But I want us to think about this just for a moment. The word of Father. The word of the Father is truth. Right? God, God cannot say anything not true. Matter of fact, if God says it, it is true, right? That's just how it works. So when he speaks, he speaks truth. I want you to think about this for because I love meditating on this. God's word is so powerful, and it is so truth, that when he said, let there be light, and there was no light before, because his word is truth, light came. 
Do you get how powerful that is? His word is truth that even if it wasn't true before, when he says it, it's true now. Go ahead, think about that for a while, right? That'll kind of blow your mind, right? If it wasn't true before he said it, when he said it, it's true now. Let there be light. It is also creative in its power. I love to think about that. God's word in of itself is creative in its power. God says things to create. God says things to make things. Isn't that wonderful? God said, let there be light. It was light. God said, let us make man own image. Formed man from the dust of the earth. And breathed the breath of life and became a living. Very breath of God. Soul of the being. Animated that object. Life creates by his very word. It is creative and it is irrevocable. Can't change the word of God. Do it. When he says it, it exists. There it is. How it works. And in this moment, that this, Jesus Christ, that you see right here, this is my beloved. And I am pleased. You ought to go home and study a little bit about how God is pleased with the Son. Fine. Leave you with that. God is pleased with him. Oh my, what a Savior he is. Now, I got to look at this. You don't have to turn there. Just mark it down so that you got it. What does if, if what God says is true, and if what God says creates truth, and if what God says is irreversible, then you know what's really important? That what God says about me. Are you hearing that? What does God say about you? Important. Super important. Is he pleased with you? You know there's a way to be pleasing to God? You know there's a way to be righteous before God. It's not found through anything that you're going to do. As a matter of fact, it's pretty simple. It's all found through his son, Jesus Christ, who he just described. Who at the same time is fulfilling all of these things, but yet somehow identifying with you. Isn't that amazing? That as we went through the sermon this evening, not only did we describe these characteristics of the Trinity, but we also found that God is relating them to you as well. So that he might come to you, relate to you, make sure that he, he is moved by the feelings that you have. And he knows who you are and where you are and is moving on your behalf. What an amazing God. That while he is doing this work in Jesus Christ, he's also doing a work. That Jesus Christ, who is righteous, would somehow be able to give you that righteousness too. 
I almost got ahead of myself and quoted the scripture that I wanted to close with. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he, being God, for God hath made him, being Jesus Christ. God made Jesus Christ to be sin for us. Who knew no sin. Then it gets good, right? That we, that's me and you, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Well, you can take that verse, read those verses that you were reading, you can keep going back and forth, saying, wow, He made Him become sin for me. Sacrifice Jesus Christ, my sin, your sin, the sin of the entire world placed upon Jesus Christ. A sacrifice that was pure. A sacrifice that was without blemish. But yet because of that, he took our sin. Paid the cost and the price for it all. I love it. There is absolutely nothing that needs to be done for any man, woman, boy, or girl to put their faith and trust in. The work is completed. Jesus paid it all. Amen? All we have to do is accept that gift of salvation. What a work he does. Every head bow, every eye closed. Aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't cut any corners? made sure that everything was done to purchase our salvation that the father is pleased in him if you will be in Jesus Christ he can be pleased with you your heavenly father we thank you for your word boy it's powerful boy it's moving Lord use it this evening in a unique way there's someone here lost but know Christ as their savior let them put their faith in Jesus Christ. Let them come away from this place being once outside of the graces of God to being inside of Jesus Christ and in the family of God. We who didn't know who our Father was, but yet Jesus Christ came and said, I'll be your elder brother. You'll be a joint heir with me. Together, you will be my brother, he will be our Father, and you're in the family again. Thank you to Jesus for bringing us back in the family of God. We thank you and praise you tonight. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all men. That he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away. As wounds we
which mark the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was a His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I will not boast in.